Hi, Avril here from Access Credit Union. We are delighted to once again sponsor the Star Sports Podcast. As part of our range of new business loans, we now offer Cultivate Farm Finance, the farmer-friendly loan package. With a Cultivate loan, farmers in West Cork can benefit from the local decision-making and personal service offered by Access Credit Union. To find out more, go to accesscu.ie forward slash cultivate, call me on 085 268 2727 or 028 21883, where a member of our team will be happy to help you with your inquiry. Close your eyes and pull like down. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham Canty, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you in association with our friends at Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, where your bank really does matter. Choose the credit union, choose local, choose community. On this week's show, we're chatting to Cork ladies football manager Shane Renane. Cork take on Mayo in the All-Ireland quarterfinal at Cusick Park in Ennis this Saturday. And we'll chat to Shane about that game as well as the financial challenges facing women inter-county players in light of the expenses revelations that have come to light in recent weeks. Later on the show, we'll be joined by Dennis Hurley of The Echo to discuss the departure of Kieran Kingston as Cork hurling supremo and what to expect from his successor, Pat Ryan. Now, Kieran, we're not going to waste too much time at the top here because we want to jump straight into your conversation with Shane Renane. But before we do, we should probably bring listeners and viewers up to speed with the expenses issue that has caused anger and outrage within ladies football and camogie in recent weeks. And it all stems from an article in the 42.ie by Sinead Farrell, which featured West Cork's own jewel star, Libby Coppinger, outlining the financial burden she places herself under in order to represent her county. Yeah, it was a great piece on the 42 last week. And like you said, it, it shone a light on a, on a very pressing issue in, in GA and especially in women's GA, which is um, ladies football and camogie. So the article in question just highlighted that on average, I think it's nearly 1,450 euro for it costs players to play inter-county football right now. And we got to put that into context, whereas men's GA players get 65 cent per mile in terms of to cover their mileage and um, mileage expenses and travel costs. Um, in ladies football and camogie that's not the case they don't get any any mileage expenses so you think of someone like Libby Coppinger from from Kekel the St Cullum's player who took part in the survey in one month alone she travelled over 1,800 miles and that's that's an incredible amount in, in one month alone and she's a dual player so she's a starter on both the Cork ladies football and Cork camogie teams and think of that that trip from Kekel up to the city a couple times a week for training the Camogie team trains in Castle Road. The footballers train in, in Cladove. So it's um, putting a huge burden on the likes of Libby Coppinger. And she'd be the first to say, and she has said, because I was talking to her about this since, that she's not the only one. She's um, So many Cork players are, are in the same boat, but so many players in counties all around the county and all around the country are in the same boat too. So wh- what they're looking for is, it's not too much. Like she goes, you sh- shouldn't be out of pocket playing for your, for your county. And I think that's, that's a basic really, you know, kind of she was alarmed, she said, when she looked back in the figures, when she kept track of her figures for that one month in terms of her mileage and her different expenses in terms of nutrition and so on. She admitted she was alarmed by what it came to last year. OK, in the ladies football and so on in Camogie, they did get a government grant. They did get a grant for the first time ever. But she checked back in her figures. She got a grant for 963 euro to cover 2021. But when you think about what she put, does in one month alone this year, like it's it's just not enough to cover it. So they're just hoping that something will be done that um by shining a light on this issue again that someone somewhere can can help. Um, 
that obviously has to come from the powers that be, be that the government or even the, the Camogie Association and the LGFA themselves. But the problem therein is that they probably don't have the resources that the, that you, that the GA do. And that almost comes back again, Jack, to the conversation about this amalgamation we spoke about for years, putting them all under the one umbrella so they can all be treated the same. But like we've started that process, but that's going to take a long, long time for that to come to fruition. So for now, it's hard to see how it's going to change. It's hard to see how, how ladies footballers and camogie players won't be left out of pocket playing for their county. But at least the conversation is made. OK, Kieran. well, let's not waste any more time. Let's jump straight into your chat with Shane Renane to ask him about those challenges and also to preview the All-Ireland quarter-final against Mayo in Ennis this Saturday. Before we talk about matters on the field, just want to touch base with you, Shane, on matters off the field. Um, there was a story on the 42 last week that featured Cork Jewel star Libby Coppinger and it highlighted how much inter-county players are spending an average a month to play inter-county football and it showed too that Libby spent 45 hours commuting to games in one month. That was just one example. Um, so just to get your thoughts, Shane, because let's say when it comes to what, what female inter-county players are, are spending to play inter-county football, and we have to remember too that the LGFA and the Camogie Association, they don't, they don't cover fuel costs in terms of, of mileage expenses. So that's a, a big burden on players, especially now with the rising cost of fuel. So when you consider a county like Cork, geographically so big, so many players are putting in so much to play for their county, um, probably, like I said, out of pocket. So... Where do you stand in it? Like, what do you think can or should be done to help players out? I suppose, look, it's, uh, I've seen both sides of it there in the last two years. Karen, I was involved with Waterford last year, so you can see that, you know, everybody was getting expenses with Waterford last year, both players and management for whatever mileage they were doing. And that was paid centrally, which is a new thing in the last couple of years with the GA. Uh, everything went through Crow Park. Um, so, look, uh, I, suppose, I suppose the big difference is there's, a, I suppose there's a maybe a... A pool of money there in the GA that's not there in ladies football and camogie yet, um, you know, and I suppose maybe that shortfall, maybe look, maybe the government can do something about it or, or, or whatever, because I don't think actually the money is is probably within the county boards within, you know, in, in many counties, I would say, to pay expenses for players because it's, it would be, it is a huge expense every year with regards to expenses. I know that from, from the men's game. So, but it's, it is disappointing. And I suppose the girls, they are putting in huge effort and look at you as you said the, the geographical size of Cork even for myself like you know we train a lot of times in Cladov like that's 160k round trip for me uh, you know and there's players I suppose doing that again from the likes of Claire O'Shea uh, coming up from, from Beira and things like that you know Anya Terry I know Anya is living in the city at the moment but you know she would have been commuting from, from Beira as well and I suppose girls coming up even from college and things like that so I suppose we were we, we tried to make it as, as less as possible for that during the year that we didn't get make players come back from college and things like that. Um, so you are very aware of that. And I think it's, look, it's, it's something that I think that the game has to strive towards that the players are being looked after properly. And I suppose, look, it's another thing that might keep a few more of them at home from instead of going out to Australia and things like that as well. Um, if they are being, I suppose, compensated for what they're doing here because they are putting in the same effort as the guys. Um, and I think... You know, if if it can come down along the lines, and you, know, you know, maybe look get involved with fuel companies, or you know, especially the way things are gone at the moment, it, you know, it's you can, we can all see it ourselves. Uh, the the increased cost of diesel and petrol and things like that. So, look, hopefully, um, in the next couple of years, the I suppose the there 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 can be money, money money aside put aside maybe for expenses because it is a huge burden on players, and we're I suppose we are very aware of that, and we try to. We try to minimise the supposed times we're meeting during the week as well. You know, you could be meeting four or five times a week for, for whatever. But we we try and minimise that. And even our gym sessions with a lot of our, our guards who are travelling far away, we 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 get them to do it at home because um, look, whatever about the you know the the tiredness element and the I suppose keeping them fresh, there is a huge burden on 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 their pockets because um you know especially the girls who are students or baby who are just starting off. In jobs you know they have the, the income isn't isn't massive so mm. um it, it, we're very aware of it and i suppose look it, it's something that i would hope in the next few years that that both ladies football and um and camogie can uh maybe get a handle on and hopefully can improve it for the girls so you know but i do believe at the moment that uh, i suppose the you know i think there's a perception out there that um there's plenty of money in ladies football and camogie there's not and i know that from you know when you're dealing with the boards and things like that and it's not that we're left without anything but uh, you know, I know that money is tight um, and 
it hasn't got the same resources that the GA have at the moment. So hopefully in the next few years they'll um they will be able to build up their resources and that the players can be looked after. Hopefully this is kind of shining a light too on, on just as was the lens that that the, the female intercounty players do go to play for their counties. But you mentioned there about uh, Australia, the AFL, obviously Cork lost Eric O'Shea. She's gone off for her adventure down under. Um, considering so many GA players are making that switch now, is, is it a worry for intercounty managers going forward, Shane, that it's becoming more of an option for players to go down under the, to, to play the AFL there? And especially now with the, the changing season in Australia, it is cutting across the intercounty season here at home as well. Yeah, look, it obviously is, Kieran, And I think um, I don't really like the narrative out there that we should be, um, I suppose, delighted for all these players that are going out there because there's a huge effort being put in by their clubs and by intercounty as well. Like, you know, I don't begrudge any player for going to Australia because it's a huge opportunity and wonderful. But obviously there has to be disappointment there on behalf of, you know, the intercounty management and their club management that they're going to be, you're going to be losing seriously talented players. And I suppose there's nothing we can... Well, look, we've never tried to, I've never, I've, I've, I've experienced it with Tipperary and now with Cork, um, you know, and I think it's going to become an increasing thing um, in the game, Kieran, because the obviously the, the, it's expanded out there now and you, you know you don't have the opportunity to play both. Um, so it's, it, it is a worry, like, and I, and I, you know, as I said, I don't like the narrative that we're meant to be absolutely delighted about. I, I can't see how anybody could be delighted about losing a brilliant player. Obviously on a personal level, you're, you're delighted for them to to get the opportunity. But uh, from a team's point of view, you're going to be disappointed. It's only a natural reaction. And I don't like that reaction out there that, that they we're meant to be delighted about it because uh, you, you can't be. But on a personal level, I'm look, I'm delighted for Erica. Um, I'm delighted to see all those Irish guards getting great opportunities. I know lots of them. Um, you know, so look, it's wonderful for them that way, but it's very disappointing from a ladies' football point of view. And I think it's a worrying thing from a ladies' football point of view as well. And the fact that a lot of our star players are going to be going, going out there, you know, that decreases, um, the I suppose, the markability of uh, ladies' football. And, you know, I think uh, I saw somebody tweeting about it during the week if it was happening in the men's game, there'd be uproar if, mm-hmm. if all our stars were going. So I think it's, you know, it's something that's going to have to be looked at. How do we combat it? I don't know because, um, Obviously, we we don't we can't offer players contracts here, but maybe we can make it a little bit more enticing to stay at home. You know, with the expenses and things like that. But look, it is a wonderful opportunity for them, and I don't begrudge any of the, any any player going out there. And you heard Erica was heading off under. So was it kind of the, the, the decision made early in the year, or so just to progress without her um, in terms of developing the panel, not to have Eric involved in I suppose through the league and the Munster Championship. Then all of a sudden you're losing one of your your top players from that half back line. So did you just make a decision early on, Shane, to say, okay, Erica, best to look, but we're going to progress. Don't down this road instead. Yeah, I suppose it maybe it came to light maybe in March or so, Karen, that Erica was being approached by different clubs. So I suppose we looked at it and helped her, you know, make that decision herself. And you know, and I've said it already that we we parked the football side of things and probably looked at it maybe other um other things that might you know come into play and uh you know about her lifestyle and about education, things like that. And I suppose uh once the league finished, um, you know, it was probably back. Uh, there at the end of April, Erica finally made her decision, you know, which, which what she was going to do was we had kept it quiet. A lot of the players in the squad wouldn't have known anything about it because we didn't want the distraction. And, you know, Erica and myself agreed with that. And, you know, in some of the management wouldn't have been aware of everything that was going on. So but once Erica made her decision, I think we we decided and she agreed that I suppose the best course of action was just was maybe three weeks before the Munster Championship. That would be we better cut ties because um, I suppose we had to. I suppose replace Erica on the team, um, and you know, and get get players ready for that. Like we could have played Erica, I suppose, in the in the Munster Championship. You know, she only went to Australia last week, so she could have played maybe three championship games first. But then, you know, you're trying then uh, mid season in the championship to replace a, a quality player like that. So I suppose we had to take the best interest of the team and the panel, um, you know, into into consideration. So, and in fairness, Erica, she understood the decision, and the players understood the decision as well. And look, to be honest with you. We've just parked it. It's a bit like, you know, losing a player through injury. Doesn't, there's nothing we could do about it. And, you know, we always speak about the controllables. And, you know, Erica had made her decision. We support her decision. We're not in any way against her decision. Um, and, you know, we've always said to her, the door is open. But we had to put it to one side very quickly, Kieran. And I think, in fairness, um, you know, we've been lucky with the likes of Laura Manny there, um, you know, who I suppose has had a... Um, you know, a difficult couple of years with regards injury. And it's like having a new player back. So we replaced Erica with, um, you know, with, with, with another young player who's got loads of potential. And I think Erica has really, or sorry, Laura has started into Erica's position. 
and is playing some fantastic football. And um, you know, look, we're delighted with that. But I think that's the quality of player in Cork. We just, I suppose, we just had to get on with it and park it. You can't, as I said, you can't control it. So we did make that decision there at the end of April. Um, and you know, I think we've we've moved on from it, and it's not something we talk about. You know, not in any bad or bad way or anything like that. It's just we we we, and I suppose the environment we're in, we just have to move on and get you know and focus on what we have and the players we have to, at our disposal. But I think we have a very very strong squad. You know, shown by what Laura can do, and there's other players who can slide in for us as well. Just shows too, Shane, that the show must go on, and the show has got on because. Cork now All Ireland quarter final against Mayo this weekend, coming off the back of a, a good group campaign, two good wins against Donegal and Waterford, which follow on from the Munster Championship win. So, considering that the league didn't go according to plan, I suppose, earlier in the year, but there are mitigating factors for that because new management trying new players in different positions and almost trying to get a, a sense of the squad and uh, I suppose the style for the year ahead. But how pleased have you been with the response of the players even since the league and, and since that break you had between the league and the championship? Yeah, look, Kieran, I suppose it worked out. It worked out fairly well for us, really. Like we could have actually made a league semi-final very easy. We had a very we were very unlucky the first day against against Mead, I suppose, in our first game. And when you look at the Mead team that went out that day and the team that we played compared to what we're putting out in the championship now, you know, it's vastly different. Whereas Mead's team was was very settled. And I suppose uh look the six weeks break between the um, uh league, end of the league uh, group stage to the first game in Munster, I think gave us a brilliant opportunity. Uh, to work with the players, try and stamp up, get our stamp, uh, you know, on the team and, you know, what style we wanted. And also we got a lot of uh, a good body of fitness work and, uh, you know, gym work into them as well. So I think we're bearing the, the fruits of that now because, um, you know, if we'd been preparing for league semifinals and finals, you know, it would have been great, like, but you'd still be kind of going match to match. And when you're going match to match, you haven't got a lot of time to fix things. You know, you're only tweaking things. Um, so I think that opportunity has been fantastic. And even the you know the, the three week gap between the the monster championship and the first round against Donegal allowed us time as well. Like you know, especially as a new management, I think it's very important to to get that time with the players in the training ground and to get the challenge games in as well. And like that during that six weeks, we played five challenge games, which gave us a wonderful opportunity, I suppose, to see more players because we couldn't really see them, you know, for long periods in the league. We yeah, we gave lots of players runs in the league, but I think you know we were able to find. Um, Play positions for players and see what role suited players and I think we've found a lot of roles you now at this stage that are very suitable for our players and you know there are changes to the team from I suppose from match to match but we've a system in play at the moment uh, that we're very happy with and I think you know I think that that period of time has has worked very well for us and I think the players really bought into it so look we're very happy with the way things are progressing uh, at the moment. You talk about changes to the team, and I suppose Cork are blessed to have so many top-class inter-county goalkeepers, and Mavis Sullivan's got the nod in recent games, taking over from Martin O'Brien. What's thinking behind that? Because, like I said, two really, really good goalkeepers there. Yeah, look, I suppose um, we've looked at down through the years, like Martina, Martina has, in fairness, Martina uh, has been there for you know a, a long period of time, and I suppose the last time she hadn't played a championship game was maybe back in 2013, our Ireland final. So we just, I suppose, we looked at it. We gave them both an opportunity in, in the Munster campaign. And I think Maeve has got the nod at the moment because um, and what's it, what it's doing actually is putting serious pressure on, on, on all of them. And, and I suppose don't really, <clears throat> the last few years, maybe, you know, uh, that pressure wasn't there all the time because, uh, you know, Martina was so far ahead and she's, you know, she has been fantastic. And in, in fairness to her, her response to not being on the team, Kieran, has been absolutely exemplary. Um, you know, there's no louder voice in the stand on match day and the same at training. She is putting in a huge effort and, you know, Maeve is there at the moment, but that's not to say Maeve will stay there because, um, you know, I think that's fantastic for us that we have two, you know, and, uh, you know, Cueva Morden as well, who, who actually can't, who's not on the 30 at the moment, has put in a huge effort as well. So we've three goalies that there isn't much between and, uh, you know, our goalkeeping coach, Joe Lombard, is doing great work with them and he finds it hard to, I suppose, um to pick between them as well. So look, we're, we're very lucky, lucky with what we have. And I suppose the pressure is on that if you're not doing exactly what you need to do, and I think the goalkeeping position has become so important in the modern game with regards to kickouts and possession, when you know you, you become like an extra defender. And I think that's huge. And I think, you know, anybody, like if you're making mistakes, you know, um, you know, it's unfortunate. A goalkeeping mistake obviously is probably exacerbated compared to uh, a mistake out the field. But I think the pressure that's coming on all our goalies is fantastic. It's the same as players out the field. And I think that's going forward. I think that's going to be a huge thing. You know, um, Maeve is performing very well at the moment. Martina didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, we just went for it that week. And, and I suppose 
Um, Maeve has the spot at the moment, I suppose, and it's up to her to keep it. And it, I think the pressure is coming on all the time from the from Martina and from Quiva. Quiva trying to get into 30 and Martina trying to get back to the number one jersey. And we talk about competition for places, Shane, and there is huge competition in the, in the Cork team right now. And looking at the Cork attack, like just so, it's brimming with talent. There's so many good players there. But I want to ask you about Darren O'Sullivan. Like she won seven against Donegal. I think it was at one five, uh, no, or, or one seven against Waterford, one five against Donegal. I think maybe a few weeks before that. Like she, she looks to be kind of coming back to her best. Like how important is it for Cork to have a fit and fire in Darren O'Sullivan? Yeah, look, I think it's huge. Um, I suppose we we gave Darren a big break um, after Moran Abbey's campaign. Um, and I suppose Darren, Darren has a history of, uh, you know, a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Karen, you know, for a young player, she's been crippled with injuries. And I suppose she'll probably suffer it for, for, from, you know, when she gets a bit older. But uh, she's a bit of a warrior. And I think, you know, the fact that she 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 actually has to do a curtail training campaign, a training um, regime as well. So, uh, trying to get Darren right is, you know, is tough going, but I think she looks after herself so well. But I think she was vital when we when we went to her and asked her, you know, is she prepared to commit for another campaign? She wasn't sure because of the injuries. And I suppose she's so honest in the fact that she felt she couldn't do all the training. Would that be okay with the rest of the panel? But, you know, the panel know how important she is. The manager know how important she is. I think if Darren is firing, uh, you know, there, there's no better player in the country. Like, I don't think she ever gets the recognition she deserves outside of Cork. Uh, with regards to her ability, and I suppose she has been very unlucky with injuries, you know. But I think the last display, I suppose, against Waterford, like you know, when things weren't going great for us up front, you know, I think Darren really took the bull by the horns, and you know, she kicked some brilliant points and leads the attack. And I think she leads by example, and she had she has such a, I suppose, a, a big boot, as we say, on her. Uh, I think that's that's huge for beating mass defenses, which you know you, you often get faced when you're when you are favourites for a game. So having a fit and fire in Darren is very very important. So we're trying to mind her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know she she did a couple of sessions last week. She we did an internal game um, yesterday morning, and uh, you know she was she was flying in that. So look, we're hoping that uh, she can stay injury free for the rest of the season because, as I said, um, you know she's a huge player for us. Moving towards the business end, like I said earlier, Mayo this weekend in All-Ireland quarterfinal, it's it, it's win now, win at, win at all costs because lose and the season is over. So what's the mood in the camp like right now? Like this is an experienced group of players. They've been here before. They know what these games are like. Is everyone looking forward and geared up towards the weekend? Yeah, look, there was a, there was a great, great, we had a great game yesterday morning among ourselves. You know, there's going to be a huge, uh, I suppose, Argument trying to pick a team now for, for for Saturday because there's you know there's so many people going for spots um and I think but the mood is very good um you know and I suppose they're very determined as well they were very disappointed I you know with themselves with some aspects of the Donegal game and with some aspects of the Waterford game you know they're very determined and I think they did a very good meeting the other night with our um, sports performance coach as well you know trying to sort out things and they're very honest about what they're doing and I think that but there there's a I think there's an acknowledgement in the squad that. We have a very good opportunity this year. You know, there's, there, we have serious talent. Um, I suppose it's just about getting consistency in performance, and they're very driven to do that. And I think the mood is very good. There was a good atmosphere around yesterday morning. There's a good crack around the squad. Um, we've lots of good personalities. You know, players who aren't who aren't who aren't on the squad or who aren't you know getting game time are still putting in a massive effort. Like you know, we had an internal game yesterday morning. We had four players who 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 couldn't start it because there was you know we we had that many players fit and raring to go because everybody wanted a jersey for next week. And you know, I think that was it was the most we had training all year. You know, they were all buzzing and ready to go and. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a very you know good game, and I think look we're we're into this week now. We have two sessions this week, and I think you know all the players are are in good form. Um, they're really looking forward. They know how what a big task Mayo has because Mayo have proved a very difficult opponent for Cork down through the years. You know, to beat them in seventeen in the semi final, and you know all the league games in the last few years have been very tight as well. So look, we're very aware of that, and the players are as well. We played them in the challenge game as well. You know, maybe a month before the championship started. And it was a right game down in Limerick. So we're 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 aware of what they're what they can do. But I think there's a good mood in the squad, Kieran. Um, you know, as I said, there's a healthy competition for places, and players are buying into what we are trying to do. And there, you know, there's a there's a great unity there as well. Like you said too, Shane, there's been very good moments and patches in, in both the wins against Donegal and Watford in, in the last couple of weeks. But do you feel there's more gears for this Cork team to to, to reach for in the weeks ahead? Yeah, look, we hope so, Kieran. I think, you know, when you look at those back at those games, it was a brilliant first half against Donegal, uh, played some scintillating football in fairness to them. Um, but, you know, look, uh, certain things went wrong in the second half. There was a bit of a craziness from, you know, some decisions. But 
Uh, I think we really have to learn from that. And I think that's something that they spoke about themselves about the other night, about how they, how you, how they park maybe some bad decision going against them or, you know, making a mistake, how they park that. And again, against Waterford, then we didn't start very well, I suppose. Um, we didn't adapt to Waterford's game plan, which was very, very effective. But I think what I like about what they're doing at the moment, and even in some challenge games that we played as well, they kind of found solutions themselves. You know, it can't always come from the sideline when you're making a dramatic change or switch a system. I like the fact that the players can find solutions themselves, and I think we're trying to empower them to do that. But I think they know themselves they probably have to get a 45, 50-minute performance in from now on. And, you know, look, it's very hard to get 60. You're going to get uh, the opposition are going to have um, their purple patch. But I think it's how we deal with that period of time has to be better. And I suppose we have to reduce the amount of time that, that the opposition do have their, their purple patch. So I think in the next game, next Saturday, I think it's going to be we're looking for that 45, 50 minutes of us controlling the game. And then how we deal with when Mayo are on top, because they will inevitably get on top. You know, they're a good, very good team. So I think it's, a lot of it is about down to game management. And I suppose we spoke about that all year, that we want to improve that. And hopefully the fact that we are problem solving within the games ourselves, that I think that's that's where the girls are learning all the time. And hopefully we can bring that into the next game. And I suppose get a bit more consistency in the performance. And finally, Shane, how much are you enjoying your first season as Cork Lady Senior Football Manager? Obviously we spoke when you got the job. Um, initially, and you're looking forward to, to getting stuck into it. Like we're Jesus, what we're in July now, so you're you're well settled in. Is 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 it as as good as you thought and hoped it would be? Yeah, look, here it's great. Um, it's challenging. You know, there's no point saying it's not. Uh, a lot of time goes into it, but it's very, very enjoyable and very rewarding when you see. Um, you know, we look. We spoke at the start of the conversation about the, I suppose the the effort the players go to to come to training and things like that. And to see their enthusiasm when they get out of cars after long journeys, um, you know, or after a long day at work, and they just bolt onto the field, they're in great form. There's never any hassle of training, you know. We've, you know, we have to give out when we have to give out and things like that. But there's there's, there's always a great crack there, and I, you know, I I I love that buzz, Kieran. And I think you know when, when you, especially when you're we're doing well at the moment, no, we're on a good winning run, and uh, nothing beats that. And I think, you know. The, the enjoyment you get out of it and the satisfaction that you can see players improving and see players, I suppose, buying into your way of things. I think that's fantastic. And I'm, look, I am really enjoying it. Um, and I, you know, I can't complain. I think the, the effort that the players have, you know, shown, and I think my backroom staff as well, is very important. I suppose they do it. So I did surround myself with, and most of them I didn't, hadn't worked with before. And I think that's very, has been very important as well, because they have challenged me as well mm-hmm. to improve what I do. And I challenge them. And I think, you know, everybody's challenging each other. The players do the same. They challenge us about certain things. You know, they want to in standards to improve. So I think we have a very good group of players and management that are, first of all, fantastic people and also very, very talented. And I think, you know, I can't but be enjoying it. You know, to be leading that group is, uh, you know, you're, you've got 50 people maybe under your under your wing. And I think that's fantastic experience. And, and I'm really enjoying it, Karen. And hopefully Cork's winning run will continue this weekend. The very best of luck, Shane. Thanks very much, Karen. Delighted to be joined by Avril Condell of Access Credit Union, who's here to tell us a little bit about Cultivate Farm Finance. So Avril, maybe just give us a brief introduction to what Cultivate Farm Finance actually is. So Cultivate is a collaboration of 40 credit unions uh, throughout Ireland. Um, West Cork has both Access Credit Union and Bantry Credit Union. Uh, The loan itself is up to 75,000 unsecured uh, for seven years is the max term, but obviously can be uh, personalized and customized to each individual's needs. Um, it's a great facility actually for, for farmers and um, because it covers cash flow and um, machinery purchases, like there's a fertilizer crisis now, as we know. And um, so literally anything that is required for the farm can be covered by this loan. The, the rate is very competitive and uh, we can match the, the repayment term and the um, repayment frequency to each individual farmer depending on their enterprise um, and you also have the benefit of the life cover that comes with the credit union loan which I think is very important for people these days at no extra cost. And if I'm a farmer and I'm listening to you on this podcast today how can I get involved? So if you're not sure of which credit union um, you're involved with you can go to Cultivate Credit Union directly which is www.cultivate-cu.ie or you can phone 1800-839-999. And if Access is your credit union, you can contact me directly. So it's avril at accesscu.ie 
or you can ring me on 085-268-2727. The Cork County Board have acted swiftly in replacing outgoing Cork hurling manager Kieran Kingston by appointing his successor less than two days after it was announced he wouldn't be seeking another term in the hot seat. On Monday night, a statement from the county board revealed that the executive would be proposing Sarsfield's man Pat Ryan for the ratification on a three-year term. We'll be joined shortly by the Echoes, Dennis Hurley, to discuss the appointment and to look back at Kieran Kingston's legacy as Cork boss. But Kieran, I do have one minor complaint to make before we hear from Dennis. The efficiency of the county board in their appointment process has meant that we didn't even get to dedicate one podcast episode to idle speculation. I was ready to make a convincing case as to why Davy Fitzgerald was the man to replace Kieran Kingston. Maybe that's just why Kevin O'Donovan and Co. move so fast because they know that we like to talk a bit in this podcast. And they said, you know what? They keep those bios down and West Cork quite for a small bit. But yeah, like you said, Cork GM moves so, so fast in this. And to be honest, it's it's no fun for us here in the media because we didn't get time to speculate. We didn't get the time for our, our think pieces and how, who we believe should have been the next um, Cork senior hurling manager. But in all seriousness, they've done a, a super job here, Kevin Donovan, Mark Sheehan and Co. So on Sunday night, uh, Email dropped that um, Kieran Kingston wouldn't be seeking another term in charge of the Cork Senior Hurlers. Twenty-four hours later, or less than twenty-four hours later, I think it was, they um, they sent out the email that Pat Ryan was being proposed. And then on Tuesday night at the county board meeting, it was rubber stamped. So in the space of a couple of days, signed, sealed, and delivered, and we have a new Cork Senior Hurling manager, Pat Ryan. And there's no doubt in that he is the right man for the job. Um, as, as a player, he won. All-Ireland and Munster under-21 medals. He won a National League medal with Cork in 97. He also was um, won Munster and All-Ireland Senior Hurling medals in 1999. He won two county titles with Sars as a player and he also managed his home club to victories in 2012 and 2014. And obviously his work as Cork under-20 hurling manager is well documented too. He had the county to All-Ireland titles 2020-21. Um, so that was two in a row. So he has the credentials he knows the talent in the county. He's, he's a cork hurling man. He's uh, someone of a high calibre. He's very well respected um, by by players, by the board, by supporters and within the county. And he's he's the right man for the job right now. And it's um, it's just interesting, Jack. He's taken over cork hurlers at a time where, and I asked Dennis about this quite soon, like where do the cork hurlers stand in the pecking order? If you look at the, at the semifinals last weekend, we saw, um, obviously, Kilkenny were really impressive. They, they blew Clare away. But then we saw Galway really put it up to Limerick, who are the, the kingpins at the moment. So there's trying to see where, where Cork come in the rankings right now is probably quite difficult, considering Cork were All-Ireland finalist last year. But maybe that's a conversation for a different day because all that Cork GA and Cork Hurling fans are talking about now is Pat Ryan, is the new Cork senior hurling manager. But as I asked Dennis Hurley straight away, how come Cork moved so fast and took the fun away from us journalists? Much like London buses, Cork GA statements come along two at a time. The first on Sunday night informed us that Kieran Kingston would not be seeking a further role, a further term in his role as, as Cork senior hurling manager. And then on Monday night, another statement to tell us that Pat Ryan was being proposed for, for the role. Um, Join now by Dennis Hurley from the Evening Echo to have a chat about this. This, this story has moved very fast since Sunday, Dennis. Have you been surprised how fast Cork G have moved to fill the to, to fill the role left by Kieran Kingston? Hi, Kieran. Yeah, I've been incredibly surprised. Um, in the old days, you would have had the announcement that the manager wouldn't be wouldn't be seeking a new term. That might be a month or so after the last game. Then the next county board meeting would be about deciding on the committee to find a new manager. Then the next meeting would be about. Um, you know their findings and then you might have something maybe a month after that but it has been like you say very surprising how quickly and neatly and everything it's all been done I think the most important thing is that the decision made has been a, a popular one mm-hmm. Um, I think with a lot of candidates in these things you'd have supporters of various people who, who might have a chance of getting the job but with most of those, you might have as many detractors. Whereas with Pat Ryan, I don't think you'd find too many people who would feel that this isn't a good appointment. He he's won two county championships as manager with Sarsfields, and then 
he progressed on to the Cork under 20 role, having been involved in a senior setup during King Kieran Kingston's first term in charge as a coach and a selector. Then he became the under 20 manager. He helped in Cork's long way for an other than that grade and then repeated it six weeks later, which was an incredible feat, I think. And so he will have had experience of a lot of the players he'd be working with. Uh, he's well respected by the rest of the, the panel. Um, and he, I think he showed with the under-20s, he's the kind of guy who surrounds himself with other good people. Uh, you'd expect that to continue. And I think I think it, it's as positive an appointment as you could have hoped for once it became known that Kieran Kingston wouldn't be continuing in the job. Given that Cork GA moves so, so quickly, we don't need 24 hours of speculation. We didn't even have time this week's other start to look at the possible contenders for the job. <laughs> but, but, yeah. the one, but the one name that was popping up in what lists did appear was Pat Ryan. Like, was he the number one man for the choice? Was it the obvious choice here to take over from Kingston? I I don't, I don't know if you use the word obvious. I think he would have been a lot of people's first choice, but there might have been a sense maybe that he wasn't keen on it himself um, or it wasn't known how keen he was. And that was a bit of a caveat and that's maybe why other names were appearing as well. But I, I think definitely all the things being equal, a, a straw poll of you know car curling people would, would have had him as as a, a, a clear a clear favorite so that's why I think from that point of view um it is it is as, as good as could be hoped for like I I, I spoke to to John Considine a former club teammate of, of of Pat and a guy who's been involved in intercounty management teams this morning for a piece and obviously as a fellow salesman he's probably a bit biased but he was trying to put that to one side and still say that that Pat was the, the best the best appointment that, that could have been made by, by the county board and I think definitely they, they do deserve applause f- for that and for how neatly it's been because I, I texted texted a colleague on Sunday night and I said you know here we go now another few weeks of speculation with the, the roll eyes emoji and I, I texted the same person Monday night you know with the the, the relief emoji at, at the fact that we were, were spared the kind of the usual merry-go-round the fact too that Pat Ryan is uh, a three-year term is coming in is, is that important? Like usually we see two-year terms in GA, but this is a three-year term, so just having that security three years is important too for both Pat Ryan, his managing team, when he puts it in place, but also the players as well to know that they'll have have Pat for the next three seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you know, you're never going to 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 kind of build something from nothing. Um. Well, sorry, nothing. It's probably unfair. Cork did get to the quarterfinals this year and the final last year. But, you know, it's very rare that a manager will come in and enjoy instant success. You need the opportunity to to just bed in and acclimatise to to senior intercounty hurling and get used to the players you're working with and the management team. And I think definitely the, the three-year term is a, a huge positive in, in that regard. Um you know, it, it it allows it allows for the 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 lack of a need for instance success, shall we say, although of course things being what they are, you'll have people always who are expecting that instant success, but I think most right-minded people, shall we say, will understand that it is a, a process that, that takes time. So um three three years is is definitely um definitely a good a good figure to 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 land on for, from that point of view. Um who he gets in hasn't as selectors and coaches that hasn't been announced yet. Mm-hmm. But I, I would I would have faith in 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 Pat that you know that the the people appointed will be um will will be well regarded and, and you know well chosen. Given how fast this tour has moved like we said a couple of times already almost the, the the chance to reflect on Kieran Kingston's time in charge. Like that's almost been put to one side because now it's all about the Pat Ryan story and he's coming in as manager and so on. But just on Kingston for a second, what do you think his legacy is um, and where he leaves Cork, this Cork senior hurling team right now? Well, you know, if, if, if Cork, if Cork uh, had had their shooting sites a bit better against Galway and if, if they hadn't, hadn't given away the kind of goals that you know you wouldn't expect to be given away. We, you know, we could easily have had the case that Cork would have been going in to a, an All Ireland semi final against Limerick on, on Saturday. And obviously they'd been massive underdogs, but you know, it, it wouldn't have been beyond beyond the, the bounds of possibility for that to be happening. 
Um, and so like it, it probably looks like a disappointing year to to lose at that stage. But Cork weren't far away from making it to another semi final, and like it um it, it shows like that. Obviously Limerick are out in front, but Cork I don't think are are too far away. Um, you know from anyone else in the chasing pack, and like Kieran when Kieran came in in twenty fifteen first. Cork were kind of at low ebb in 2016. His first year in charge was was definitely very disappointing, but he built it from then. He brought in brought in Mark Coleman, Darrell Fitzgibbon, Luke Mead, um, you know, and, and kind of refreshed things. And Cork won the next two monster titles. The second one was with John Myler after Kieran had stepped aside. And I think it was telling that when Kieran did come back, it was because the the players there wanted him back, and you know the the talk was that the players were keen for him to continue as well. And this time around, so you know, it definitely reflects well on a manager when the, the the players are you know big fans of his, and I I think I think Kieran definitely created a culture like a, a kind of a, U, a united spirit within the camp, um, and you know unfortunately it it, it didn't end with with Cork um Cork ending that long drought for an All Ireland but. You have to understand like that we're in a, an era of a, a dominant Limerick team like and there you know there's other other strong counties there at the moment like you know it wasn't so long ago that we were looking at the possibility of Cork Cork ending the year with, with nothing um you know after after that to, to Clare and Limerick um at the, at the start of the year um you know people were writing the obituaries then and and they bounced back and I I think unless you know, unless you had a, a good management and a good a good strong ethos between the players and management, that wouldn't have happened. So there was definitely, you know, uh, a good good spirit in the camp and a an ability to kind of to to bounce back well from disappointment. Um, and you know, just because Cork didn't win an All Ireland and Kieran Kingston's watch, you can't all be laying it at his door. There are other other factors. Um. At play, but I think, I think overall, Kieran probably felt that he had given it as much as he could, um, because it is such a massive commitment to be um an intercounty manager in this day and age, um, and you know it it just it, it just takes so much out of you, um, so that that's probably why he felt that he had, he had given it as good a crack as he could, and he you know he needs to to live his life now as well. It's probably hard to know, Dennis, for Cork standing the peck in order right now. Like you said, Limerick are out in front. They're the dominant force right now. But if you look at the semi-finals the weekend just gone, Galway gave Limerick a hell of a fright. And then the other semi-final, Kilkenny just blew clear away. So there's obviously Limerick and there's a chasing pack. Would you put Cork in, in that chasing pack? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you'd have to. Like, you know, when, when Cork got to the league final this year, like thing, things looked th- things looked very rosy, shall we say. Um, and... It, it you know it just shows that every result good or bad creates um an extreme reaction um i i i i wouldn't fear for cork being against anyone else apart from limerick we'll put it that way like you know they, they showed that last year that they were able to beat Clare, beat dublin beat kilkenny um you know they, they lost to galway this year by a point having had a, an awful lane in terms of their own shooting and giving away two two avoidable goals um and they beat they beat Waterford like so it it's definitely fairly even if you if you took Limerick away obviously trying to get up to Limerick's level is the next question but I you know I I I'd give Pat Ryan as good a chance as anyone in in terms of trying to bridge that gap especially with the the under twenties from the last few years coming on stream and with experience of of working with them on on his part. I'm looking at the the Cork GA statement that came up Monday night and. Uh, Kevin O'Donovan said, Pat's appointment will be another clear example of our desire to provide a pathway to managers and coaches throughout club and county systems. So there was never a chance here that Cork were going to look outside the county business, was there? No, absolutely not. Um, like, it, it's it's just, it's not the done thing in, in Cork, rightly or wrongly. Um, you know, I, I'm sure, I, I'm sure you, you can appreciate that, like, given that, it's it's the same in terms of you know the, the Kerry football manager's role. It's um there's a sense of pride with it, I suppose, maybe misplaced pride in, in this day and age, but 
you know, it, it would take something very drastic, I think, for for that that to change. Um and, and you know, like, like you say, reading from that statement, like there there are a lot of good coaches in the system now that you know have we'll say put in their time and, and probably you know are, are hopeful of of using that as a springboard to to advance up the up the ladder which you know it, it's a good thing it, it on the one hand it gets people involved at, at rebel Oak and kind of ensures that the younger players are are getting getting good um are, are receiving good good coaching mm-hmm. and then you know it benefits the coaches that if they do well they know that that they'll be rewarded if they want to to go further up the ladder so you know it it, it should it should provide benefits on on both sides of it um and like if if things do go well with pat it, it's just another um another endorsement of, of that um approach oh great stuff thanks for joining us in the podcast dennis appreciate your time no problem karen thanks a lot The Star Sport Podcast is brought to you by Access Credit Union. Access Credit Union, funding dreams for over 50 years. Okay, Kieran, before we wrap up this week's edition of the Star Sport Podcast, we're going to quickly preview this week's Southern Star Sports section. So what do readers across West Cork have to look forward to this Thursday? For all our listeners and readers out there, Jack, all I can say to them is, Forget about Love Island, forget about Casa Moore, forget about Luca and Jimma and India and Demi and all the goings on. Forget about Andrew and Tasha doing what they are doing in their separate villas at the moment because this Thursday it should all be about the Southern Star Sports section because as good as Love Island is, the Southern Star Sport weekly is better. We're guaranteed entertainment and we're not, we don't disappoint again this week. We've, we've, a, we've a cracking paper on the way, Jack. Well, Kieran, okay, we're going to preview the paper in a minute, but the fact that you've just outed yourself as a massive Love Island fan is something we can't brush over. And I will say I'm not a huge fan of Love Island myself, but I'm not here to judge. I do spend most of my days scrolling through Twitter and Instagram. So I'm aware of the storylines, the names, some of the characters involved. And the ones I want to ask you about then are Ronan Keating's son, who's found himself in the villa and also Michael Owen's daughter. Are these some of the main characters? Are you a fan of young Keating? Let's clarify this first. An important clarification. I'm not a massive fan of Love Island. I use it as escapism from reality. When you're when you're working what 12 hour days every day, Jack, for years on end, all you want is a bit of escapism from from from, from the, the grind and the grunt of it. And that's what Love Island is. So it's 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 just a bit of fun, really. Um, so where we are right now, we're probably two or four weeks into it. The boys are still in the villa. The girls are going off to Casa Moor to, to get their heads turned. While back at the villa, the boys' heads are being turned left, right and centre. So even at this stage, it always beggars belief that the lads would understand that this is a reality TV show and everything they do is being recorded and we'd be played back to them at some stage. So like you're right, yeah, Ronan Keaton's son, Jack, is there. He's one of the, 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 the newbies who's been parachuted in. Um, to try and turn the girls' heads. I'll be quite honest, and I can't think of the apt Ronan Keaton song to describe describe it, but it'll be short and sweet for, I think, Jack Keating. He, he's not going to last too long, but um, Michael Owen's daughter is one of the established people inside her, Gemma, so she's probably one of the, I don't say favourites to, 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 to go quite long, but considering what the boys are up to right now, it looks like she could be in there for the long haul. But as good as it is, Jack, it's not as good as Thursday Southern Star. Go on then. Let, 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 let's jump straight into it. What are you proposing readers turn to first when they open their sports section on Thursday? Okay, there's a load in there right now. So I'm going to start with first. The Cork City Sports are on Tuesday night um, and two home favourites, two West Cork superstars of athletics, Dara McElhinney and Phil Healy turned on the style and Dara is in top form at the moment and he set a new Irish under-23 record at the Cork City Sports, so you can check out Thursday Star for all that. We also have a two-page special on the Carberry footballers. They have a huge game on Thursday night against Avondu in the final of the unseeded section of the Premier Senior Football Championship. So, as well as a report from last week's Battle of West Cork when Carberry beat Beira, we also have a very good interview with Colm O'Driscoll. He's the Carberry Senior Football Captain, and he just still can't wrap his head around 
white players in, in the division will not line out for Carberry. He makes the point he's with Tyke McCorrig, a, a junior club. The reality is that they won't ever get up to be to be senior, or not in his lifetime. So he has the chance to play senior with Carberry. So why not take it? So that's well worth reading in that. Also, looking at the junior action, St. Oliver Plunkett's, they were defeated in the County Junior B football semi-final on Tuesday night by Father Neils. We have a full report and pictures from that. But Randall Oak Hurlers, that great success story um, locally, it's still going. They're back into another County Junior B hurling final. They did a, did a super win last weekend, so we have a full match report on that. Also, we've news as well. Camogie Jack, uh, um, things were going so so well for Cork Camogie through to the All Ireland semi final with one game to spare, but they've been hit by a couple of blows in the last week or so. So, um, in the skiing All Star Orla Cronin has opted to withdraw from the panel, so she won't be involved for the rest of the championship, and that's a big blow for Cork because Orla, as we know, is one of the, the best players not alone in the county but in the country. But she's had her her issues with injuries this year. So she's decided just to step back from the from the county panel for now. And then to add the Cork's troubles, Ashling Thompson, the talismanic midfielder, was sent off after the final whistle in their defeat to Tipperary last weekend. So Cork will be sweating it about, will Ashling be available for the upcoming All-Ireland semi-final? Also, Keith Cronin, he won the Moonraker Rally in Bellivoni last weekend. Ideal preparation for the next round of the British Rally Championship this weekend. So we, we have that in Thursday's Southern Star. We also, my last word column, um, just to tease it out a small bit, is on the Clannock Kilty senior footballers. We're just two weeks out now, I think, from the throw-in to the county football championships. And Clannock Kilty, last year's county finalists, are coming off the back of a really poor league campaign where they finished second from bottom in their group in Division 1. They only won two games um, out of nine. They lost seven. So I'm just... I suppose having a look at the light of land to see where Clan are right now ahead of a, a huge championship for them because they're in the group of debt. They're in with Castlehaven, they're in with Newcastle and they're in with Nemo Rangers. So that's an interesting think piece on that. So there's that and a lot, lot more in Thursday Southern Star. And no matter what they tell you, no matter what they say, if you can't make it to the shops on Thursday, you can subscribe to the Southern Star online. Just go to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and read the southern star on your computer tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week what an absolute bargain thanks for listening to the star sport podcast this week we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts. yes i'm buzzing with that one spotify youtube or wherever you get your podcasts salon tomo